Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, March 5th, 2014, and today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 30 and beginning a new chapter, more about alcoholism. Today's readers are... Andy on the 12 Steps, Bonnie P. on the 12 Traditions, and reading the text are Kimmy D., Michelle H., Penny C., and Melanie. Uh, The reference number for yesterday, Tuesday, March 4th, is 5999. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Andy to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everybody. This is Andy from New York. These are the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being uh, that exact nature, another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. I apologize. Six. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except unto do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Akash. Thank you, Andy. I will now ask Bonnie P. to read the Twelve Traditions. Uh, Bonnie P. from 
composer leader from California. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise least problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need, we need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Thanks, and I pass. Thank you, Bonnie P. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share in what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 30, the very first paragraph of the chapter, More About Alcoholism. And I will ask Kimmy D. to begin reading. Thank you, Kathy Kay. Good morning. My name is Kimmy D., from Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Connecticut. Most of us have been unwilling to admit we were real alcoholics. No person likes to think he is bodily and mentally different from his fellows. Therefore, it is not surprising that our drinking careers have been characterized by countless vain attempts to prove we could drink like other people. The idea that somehow, someday, he will control and enjoy his drinking is the great obsession of every abnormal drinker. The persistence of this illusion is astonishing. Many pursue it into the gates of insanity or death. 
And uh, the thing I'd like to just touch on here is, um, you know, drinking like my fellows. And uh, I feel like this is sort of the the turning point here where we're talking about, um, you know, step one, really. It's about us still admitting that we are uh, powerless over food. And, you know, I think what's interesting about this beginning of this chapter we're going to come to see is how much it discusses the word control. And it's it's the word control is introduced in this very first paragraph. The idea that somehow someday he will control and enjoy his drinking is the great obsession of every normal uh, normal drinker. I know for me it wasn't the the actual food itself, obviously. It was the ability to control whether or not I was going to be obsessed or not. Completely insane. But um, nevertheless, in the delusion of my disease, that's where my mind was centered, that someday, somehow, I would be able to control my eating. And that was the obsession. The obsession wasn't with the food. It didn't matter what that food was. It was the ability that I could monitor. I could have as little or as much as I wanted at any given time. And having that ability to control also then feeds into other things that I could uh, manipulate people as much or as little as I wanted. I could drink as much as or as little as I wanted. So it was just the the mental obsession just uh, magnified times 10. And uh, I'm so excited to hear what other people have to share. With that, I pass. Thank Sarah. you. Sarah? Larry. Oh, okay. One second. I heard Sarah and then Larry. And was there someone else? Lauren S. And Lauren S. Okay. Go ahead, Sarah. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. My name is Sarah, grateful, recovered, compulsive reader. Um, I just was thinking how important this this part of the book really is, as all parts are, but... Um, you know, we're really bringing home the idea of the mental obsession and how strong it is. Um, and, you know, that's why the first step is so extremely important to continue to stay in that place. That's the foundation of our whole program. Um, and as people say, you know, we have to take that 100%. And I do believe that's true. And about the delusion, you know, it's like the belief that something, it's the belief that something that isn't true, the illusion that somehow, you know, we'll be able to eat like a normal eater. Uh, you know, that's the insanity of it, you know, that somehow we'll be able to do it this time. And, you know, I know I went back into uh, into the disease for quite some time and regained all my weight and, and not only regained my weight, but regained all the insanity that goes with it. Um, you know, the controlling part, the... Um, the part that's isolative and uh, the part that, you know, I, I was judging. And, you know, that's the misery of it. More even than the food for me is that I isolate myself from people, that I'm different, that somehow I'm terminally unique. And, you know, when, uh, when I have the humility to say I need the help and that I'm, um, I'm willing to see that I have a problem, uh, that that really allows me to walk into the hope of the second step. So, you know, it's the gates of insanity or death. Um, that's where we're all going to go. Unfortunately, in our society, many believe that, um, you know, it's just a food problem. You know, just, you know, you know,
know, you should be able to take one bite. I've had people say that to me so many times, even recently. You know, why can't you just have one? And, uh, you know, to not allow myself, you know, to keep on going back to my higher power and asking for help with that because, you know, that's the illusion that I would go into, that somehow I can be like a normal eater. And I know today that I can't. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, Larry? Good morning, Kathy. Larry, uh, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Wow, I love this. Um, more about alcoholism. Okay, so, you know, it talks about, um, you know, most of us have been unwilling to admit we were real alcoholics. Um, that was true for me. Um, I, I didn't like to think that I was bodily and mentally different from my fellow. You know, it was no different than me wanting to be in sort of the popular group in high school. A sense of belongingness and connectedness are a very, very powerful motivator in human beings. And that was the case for me. Um, it was more import- important for me to prove, if you will, that I was actually the same as all those folks that were that were eating with impunity, without consequence. And I went about day after day trying to prove that. You know, and and it goes on. So it's not surprising, Bill says, that our drinking careers have been characterized by countless vain attempts to prove that we could drink like other people. Um, and and I did that. You know, um, uh, if if I could put together a day, one day of abstinence, I felt like I was cured. I don't know if you can identify with that feeling, but I had hundreds of one days that I felt cured. Maybe two days, maybe five days, maybe thirty days. 30 days, boy, I'm, I'm done. I'm out of here, you know. And, and the thing was is invariably the disease, uh, I, I, di- I didn't need to hear from you or anyone else to tell me, no, Larry, you really are a true compulsive overeater. The disease persuaded me. And so, um, you know, but I would continue to, to go on and on. And, and, and why did I do that? The reason why I did that and the reason why that was my great obsession um, and, and I persisted in that illusion. I persisted it to certainly to the gates of insanity. But um, I'm not that way today. God, God brought me back. The reason I did that was it was painful. It was painful to acknowledge that I was powerless, that I was powerless. What is it? Tell me, am I powerless or do I have power? It's one or the other, isn't it? No, I have power. It's back to the serenity prayer. There is a there are bu- there's a bucket of stuff that I can do every day. And surrender is uh surrender is an action. It's an action. How is it an action? Someone asked me a question recently, it's a great question about surrender. How do you do surrender? For me it's an action. The action is is that I say, God, I I'm fearful, let's say, or I'm whatever. Please remove that fear from me if it is your will. And then I go on to look for someone else I can help. That's the action that I took in that midst of surrender, in the midst of calamity, in the midst of frustration, in the midst of fear. That's my surrender. And that's why I needed to take step one. Because prior to that, it was like, um, you know, another diet, tighter control, tighter control. Get more, get more control over your diet. Um, it was, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll exercise. Uh, I'll go run 10 miles. I'll go walk to Pittsburgh. You know, how many times, let me tell you, there are many days I woke up, I think I'm going to walk 12 miles today. You know, the insanity, is that insane? I would suggest to you it is. 
you know, but, and I, I tried to control, control, control. And the paradox was it was less control. So why do we read more about alcoholism? Let's get on with the food plan. Let's get on with the actions. I don't need to learn more about this. Yes, I do. I needed to. You might not, but I needed to because I had to fully concede to my innermost self that I was indeed a true compulsive reader, that, that I was bodily and mentally different, that when I picked up a sugary dessert item or a salty, savory whatever, um, it, I didn't pick it up as it said on this meeting. It took me for a ride. And I never knew if the ride was going to be a, a local ride or a cross-country ride. You know, was it going to last uh, a few hours or was it going to last uh, 30 days or more? Um, and, you know, again, it's not like that for me anymore because through the process of surrender and a full concession of who I was, I then had the strength. God gave me the strength and the willingness to work the steps so that I can I could I could have I could utilize that moral psychology, understanding myself, getting right with myself, getting right with others, getting right with God. And somehow through that process, God transformed me. I had a vital spiritual experience, a spiritual awakening, sufficient to arrest this disease. He removed the obsession. I was asked, Do you struggle sometimes with food? Let me answer that. No. I don't. That's, that's the truth. I don't anymore. Why? Why don't you? Because I fully conceded. I worked the steps. I had a vital spiritual experience. And God removed that obsession of the mind. And that's why I need to read about this. Now, now, am I cured? Could I have it later today? I talked to someone that said I'm abstinent, you know, uh, 10, 15 years. And, and it used to piss me off. He would say, I'd say, how are you doing, so-and-so? And he'd say, uh, well, I'm abstinent so far today. Are you kidding me? You've been absent 10 years now. Come on, Leah. Come on, you know, all these other people. You've been absent. You're done. I'll come to your graduation. No, because we have to remain in fit spiritual condition. Otherwise, the disease, we will pick up again if we do not. It's very clear, this playbook. So, yes, indeed, um, um, I would pursue this to the gates of insanity or death, but God pulled me back from the gates of hell. That's fact. That's factual in my life, and I'm a man of science. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Larry. Uh, Lauren S., it's your turn. Wow. Oh, wonderful. Lauren S., a recovered compulsive overeater from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Chapter 3, more about our, our insanity. This chapter is about one thing, one thing only, part of our step one, our insanity. And this is referring to the stupid things I, Lauren Saggio, compulsive overeater, do while sober, when food is not in my body, uh, allergic food is not in my body. I'm going through these pages right now, recovered, looking at where's my current day agnosticism? Where is my step one when I am day 510 of abstinence? You know, where am I still trying to run the show? Ugh. 
and it's I'm revealing new truths about myself here, Bill and his helpers use several words obsession, insanity, illusion, delusion to remind me that my insanity as it'll share is not, you know, doing the same thing over and expecting different results. The big book teaches us insanity is a lack of proportion, is not seeing the truth about my current situation. And this chapter is going to smash to me, Lauren Saggio, what the truth is while abstinent. Because I have put the food down days ago and is today, March 5th, sufficient enough to keep me abstinent today, regardless of how long I've been abstinent. What is my current day agnosticism? Me trying to run on self that's going to trick myself into that insane thinking that is, you know, I can believe my mind, my insane thinking. And, whew, this is so good. And finally, the idea that somehow, someday I will control and enjoy my binge eating is the great obsession. If you were to give me a brownie, just one brownie, right? Eat like a, to eat like a, a gentle woman, to have it controlled, I would be miserable. I don't want to eat one brownie. I don't want to eat half a cup of Lucky Charms. I want to eat like a maniac. I can control and enjoy simultaneously. It's, it's, it's my genetic, God-given truth. That is my sanity. That is the truth about myself. I can't control and enjoy simultaneously. Whew, lot here. Okay, thank you. I will pass. Thank you, Lauren F. Who else would like to share on this panel? This is Bella. Can I share? And this is Janice. Okay, so we have Bella, Barbara, um, let's see, uh, Janice, and Leah. Okay, let's start with Bella then. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overreader. Thank you, Katie, for leading this meeting, and thank you very much, everybody that is on the line. Wow, I love this paragraph, a very, very strong paragraph that I could could talk about this paragraph, I think, forever. I will start with with the first sentence. Most of us have been unwilling to admit we were real alcoholics. Yes, I was there. I was one of that, most of us, that I was unwilling to accept. When I just started, I just entered into this room, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't believe I didn't want to accept. What do you mean to say that I am a compulsive overeater? It means that I am not perfect. 
And I have to accept and admit that I am not perfect? No, 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 not me. You want to tell me that I have to share my power with somebody else that not only sharing my power, that he has a greater power than myself? Oh, no, 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 no. I am so smart and I know everything. You know, I just have a, you know, I just don't have the willpower to lose weight. And it was so hard for me to accept the fact that I have a disease. What do you mean I have a disease? Cannot be that I have a disease. I just have a problem that I don't want to lose weight. This is a disease. And I was living in such a deny and such, <clears throat> sorry, I just wanted to control, and I believe that I can control. You know, I grew up in a religious family, so I knew that there is God, but what do you mean to say? God is driving my life. God is taking care of me, and it was so hard for me, and not only hard, it was painful for me to accept and admit that, well, Bella, you don't know everything, and you cannot know everything all the time. And now, thank God, thank God, it's a miracle that now I, I, I can say that it's a gift for me that I have the opportunity to be connected to God. You know, I, I, God for me is not a, a dictator anymore. God for me is not somebody that punish me. I am willing, I want to, to let God into my life. I am so thankful that I have the opportunity 24-7 to be connected to God. To God, God for me today is a loving father, a caring father, and I am so thankful for that. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Uh, Barbara, you're next. Thank you. This is Barbara, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And when I look at this paragraph, it happens to me every time. So those of you who know me or are close to me may be sick of hearing this story, but it's what comes up, and, I, and I'm very glad to be reminded and, and share it yet again. The persistence of the illusion is astonishing that I will someday be able to be like other people, to control and enjoy and the countless vain attempts. Well, a very large countless vain attempt for me that always comes to mind is after a year in early recovery of having bodily lost 100 pounds, given away 100 pounds, you know, never to find it again, so don't say lost, going through what I thought was a surrender with the first step, doing the, you know, moving to the second, third step. I did a very thorough fourth-step inventory, working on to make... I mean, that year was... Well, that was astonishing. But there came a day, it's like the stories in the big book of thinking, well, I can, you know, put a little rum in with the milk. I took myself out to lunch when I was on vacation. I had four children. My husband was uh, called back to work. And I said, this is self-care. This is good. I got a babysitter. I took myself out to lunch. 
abstinent planned meal, I began to look around the room. And I saw this, you know, very slim woman who left a portion of a dessert on a table. And she just left it there and she strolled out, you know, to continue a vacation day. And I thought, wow, look at what's happened in the in this year. I can probably do that now. And I gave in to that insanity, that, you know, mental twist. And I ordered exactly the dessert that she had. And I said, I can do that. Well, that was a launching pad for me. That was where the phenomenon of craving became very clear. It was embodied because I began my ride across the street, up the island, up further up, down, until I crashed and was carted off by ambulance to a a center. We were on an island, off the island. I mean, is that not a vain attempt to prove that I can quote, eat like another person? Is that very clear that I am bodily and mentally different? Well, I'm looking at it again. I don't want to forget it. If it serves anybody to listen to it, uh, I'm very glad to be looking at it because it's very clear that I'm I'm not messing around, that if I want to uh, be abstinent, stay abstinent, stay in recovery, live the steps genuinely, um, I need to say, you know, I give up. I give up. That's it. No more trying to prove anything other than that there is a solution and go in that direction. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Barbara. Uh, Janice, it's your turn. Thank you, Kathy. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, My name is Janice M., and I am a compulsive, recovered compulsive overeater. You know, most of us, uh, how does this book know about the truth? I mean, it's this is all about their experience, and um, their experience is my experience. Most of us have been unwilling to accept the fact. I, I could admit it, but I couldn't accept it. You know how I know I couldn't accept it? Because I kept testing. If I know, and I knew, and I could accept like I did, you know, other things in my life, in my family, you know, other mental, upset, other mental illnesses, you have to accept it. There's no... I can't change it with my son. Um, But I didn't want to accept this because I didn't want to be a compulsive overeater. Now, I could get the bodily different because I could tell I was gaining weight, so my body was changing and all that. But the mental different, oh, no, I couldn't, I couldn't, I could not identify with the mentally different. Um, because, you know, my life was pretty good. I could, I was a professional. I could run this. I could do that. But I didn't know that when it came to food, my mind was so different. My mind told me lies. That's the big thing in my thinking. I listened to these lies, that the ideas, the ideas, that comes from my mind, that any idea that I had, that, okay, I'm going to be different. I'm not mentally different because, you know, I have the money. I'll buy the, I'll buy the best food. I'll get the best doctor. I'll do, you know, everything. And that'll help me. That'll help me to lose weight and do this and do that and think different. And when they talked about insanity, I went, well, I'm not crazy. I'm not insane. But wasn't I insane? Of course I was insane. I, you know, the lie that, that my mind told me, you know, 
uh, would ma- help me make the decision upon that lie. <laughs> and then my life became hell because my mind told me what to do. Now, there are times that, that I, you know, as, as a compulsive overeater that I enjoyed. I enjoyed eating. There were times in my life, trust me, because I've been in this for decades, there were times when I could do one, you know, enjoy it or not enjoy it. I mean, it was either I was controlling my eating, but I wasn't enjoying it when I was controlling it, you know. And then there were times when I was enjoying my eating, you know, but I, but I couldn't control it. So, you see, it, because I'm in a, a compulsive overeater, the times of controlling and enjoying my eating are long gone because my mind wants me insane before I die. Yeah, my disease wants me dead, but before that, it wants me insane. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. And Leah. Thanks so much, Kathy, for your service. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Most of us have been unwilling to admit we were real alcoholics. No person likes to think he is bodily and mentally different from his fellows. Uh, You know, the big book is teaching me here once again that I have a twofold illness. I am bodily and mentally different from others. Bodily? Well, that's the first part of my addiction. You know, I am powerless over certain foods. I get this uncontrollable uncontrollable, uh, physical craving when I eat certain foods or indulge in certain foods, and that's the allergy of the body, creates a phenomenon of craving. This aspect of mental, you know, this second part is that I can't manage my life in relation to to my powerlessness over food. I get a mental obsession that sends me back to those foods uh, which are killing me. You know, I have a mind which sends me back to those foods that are killing me. That is the obsession of the mind. You know, the big book suggests that I have this defective mind. It is inherently flawed, and I'm suffering from an obsession, You know, one idea enters my consciousness and it will dominate it in such a way that all other ideas are shoved aside. And I'm possessed by this thought. It becomes the only thought. The obsession becomes my only reality. Despite the fact that I feel tortured by this illness, despite the fact that I've had numerous humiliating experiences, despite the fact that I have suffered from the illness, despite the fact that there were divorce threats, that I would go to bed in tears crying that, uh, you know, I was imprisoned by this illness, I still uh, wanted to defy and deny and resist and be unwilling to admit that I had this thing, that truth that I was a real compulsive overeater was unacceptable to me. You know, and um, it was so important for me to understand this greater aspect of the disease, this twofold disease. You know, bodily, yes, I could put down substances, but I, I could stop, but I couldn't stay stopped. You know, the monkey was off my back, perhaps, but the circus was still in town. You know, what was wrong with my mind? Why couldn't I respond to humiliation? 
Why wasn't I learning from the consequences of my behavior? Why wasn't I learning and doing something different after those discussions of divorce, after those discussions about my irresponsibility and my unpredictability? I had stopped thousands of times. Why couldn't I stay stopped? You know, this is the obsession of the mind, the greater aspect of my disease, but yet I would not accept my illness. What other illness do you know of where people do not accept their diagnosis? <laughs> when people are diagnosed with cancer, they accept they have cancer. When people are diagnosed with AIDS, they accept they have AIDS. People who are blind and cannot see, they accept they, can, they are blind and cannot see. People who are crippled and cannot walk, they accept that they're crippled and cannot walk. I was a real compulsive overeater. I had decades of evidence of that. And yet I still resisted. I was unwilling to admit I was a real compulsive overeater. And without that willingness to admit I was a real compulsive overeater, there was not going to be any progress towards my recovery. And it took being badly mangled for me to get uh, to have that lesson registered and to understand the urgency and the necessity for the actions of these steps. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. <clears throat> okay, I'd like to take a turn. This is Kathy, a recovered compulsive overeater. And as I've been listening, um, I uh, pulled out my big book dictionary. Um, illusion is an incorrect belief or view of reality. And astonishingly, um, is surprisingly, um, astonishing, it's su surprising, unexpected. The persistence of this illusion is astonishing. And I, I must say that um, <clears throat> I am so uh, grateful to read this because for so many years in these rooms, I kept... Uh, going back to the food, even though I thought I was um, working a strong program, and therefore I thought there was something even uh, worse about me when I saw other people maintaining abstinence. And um, now I accept and understand that uh, having this illusion and maintaining it and going back to it over and over and over again is precisely uh, part of my disease, and it would take a power greater than myself to uh, help me transcend this wrong belief. Um, I could not possibly do it on my own, and with that I pass. Um, why don't we move on to the next paragraph, and I'm going to ask Michelle H. to read that for us. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Michelle H. from Missouri, a recovered compulsive overeater. We learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics. This is the first step in recovery. The delusion that we were like other people or presently maybe, has to be smashed. And, um, yes, um, so many great shares about what um, we're reading in the beginning of this chapter and what this chapter is all about. 
more about alcoholism, more about that mental obsession. And I, too, had to learn um, that I had to fully concede that I was a real compulsive overeater. And, um, you know, I, too, embraced right away the notion that my body um, was defective, that my body was abnormal, that it couldn't process certain foods the way other people process certain foods. But a real roadblock for me was, um, you know, like was already addressed, that I really didn't like to think that I was mentally different from other people. And um, that was a real roadblock for me in the beginning. I didn't understand, and and I needed to uh, learn um, how to concede that, how to um, embrace that, that I was not only bodily but mentally different, that, yes, I couldn't process certain foods with my body, and, indeed, I could not process certain realities, you know, the reality that um, there was this um, – that, that I had this lie that my mind was telling me. And as people say, you know, I can't see what I can't see, and I, I don't know what I don't know, and I, I didn't know that I had this obsession. I didn't know that in my unconscious mind there was this lie, there was this false belief that someday I would be able to be like other people around certain foods. And so I had to learn this, and, it, and it's a process of learning. It, it didn't come to me overnight. And I'm, and I'm, as I see that there's this whole chapter before me and before us, is that, well, I guess I wasn't the only one that had a hard time um, accepting the fact that I was mentally different. And um, when they wrote this book, they knew that there was going to be this roadblock. So there's plenty of examples to show me and how can I identify in to see that indeed I had that, that I am mentally different. And it's so important that I see that I have both um, you know, both parts of this disease, not just the bodily part. Otherwise, I'm going to continue to think that abstinence is the solution. I I need to concede and give up, um, accept the fact that despite the fact that, you know, I really think somewhere deep down in that I am going to be like other people, as someone has already said, otherwise, why would I, if I didn't believe that, why did I, you know, why did I keep picking up if I didn't really believe um, that I was a real compulsive overeater, if I really conceded that and believed it to my innermost self, then I, then I wouldn't. And it had to be smashed, that delusion, that mental part, that obsession. And I am beyond, um, you know, I am beyond human aid when it comes to this mental obsession um, and, and this disease of being different bodily and mentally. And I am going to need a power greater than myself, and that's what helps me to smash that. First of all, to concede it, um, and, and the Big Book Dictionary, I like their definition, to admit, agree with, accept, acknowledge, to show, although often against one's will, that one agrees to or with something. And it was against my will. I didn't want, I really wanted to will it that I could be like other people when it came to certain substances. And so it was against my will that I, I did finally accept it and embrace it. And it is the first step. It is my first step in recovery. I can't, I can't get further. I can't go to step two unless I fully concede to my innermost self that, yes, I am a real compulsive overeater. Um, I am defective in body and mind. Um, I need this solution, and I, I need to see that I have this delusion that needs to be smashed, that I am not like or never will be 
Um, it says, or presently maybe, no, I wake up this morning and I acknowledge who I am. I'm a real compulsive overeater. My mind and body is still defective. It hasn't gone away. I haven't found a cure. I still need the same solution today that I needed yesterday and the day before once I became recovered and found that I needed a power greater than myself. That's the only power that's greater than this mental obsession that I didn't know that I had until the the message was carried to me. And I'll tell you, I really never understood this chapter, um, and I, I, I would fight it to the nail. And um, today, I, you know, I have learned, I have learned through this process that, yes, indeed, I am mentally different. But the good news is there is a solution, and it comes through, you know, the power that I gain access to and that we all gain access to through the principles, through these steps um, that we each, um, you know, this morning we're carrying to each other because uh, we have found a way out, and, and we, can, we can tell you for sure there is a way out. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Who would like to share on this paragraph? Kim. This is Katie. Katie. Oh, my goodness. Kim, I heard. And um, who came in after Kim? Paula. Heidi. Paula, Heidi. I heard Katie. Anyone else? I'll pass. I'll pass. I can't be forced. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, Why don't you go ahead, Kim? Good morning, all. Good morning. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. The delusion that we are like other people who presently maybe has to be smashed, you know. And when all else fails, I go to the dictionary when I'm a little confused over definitions. Because I often thought I was just in denial. I'm just in denial, you know. And, and the definition of denial is an unconscious defense mechanism used to reduce anxiety by denying thoughts, feelings, or facts that are consciously intolerable. So that's what I thought it was. But they're telling me here it's a delusion. So I had to look up, what is that delusion? A delusion is a fixed false belief that is resistant to reason or confrontation with actual fact. And that really hits home for me. I was convinced this delusion, when I'm in that obsession of the mind, I am not in denial. I'm not even forgetting, because, you know, forgetting, you know, I would, what I would do is if there was 99 instances of me being in the food and, and being an absolute lunatic, but there was one instance when I enjoyed it, there was one instance where I had it kind of together, I wouldn't forget, because I would fixate on that one time that it worked and ignore the 99 times that it did. So it really was a, a delusion, a fixed belief that this time is going to be different. Now, you hook me up to a, a, a lie detector test, and I believe that this time is going to do it different. I believe I'm going to be able to control myself. I believe that this is the exception. So I am delusional, and I need something to help me get rid of that delusion, which is going to be a higher power. And that delusion that we can do the food like other people has to be smashed. I think of two things. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. That's what I had to recognize. I was Humpty Dumpty. All the king's horses, all the king's men, all the diets, all the doctors, all the meetings, Overeaters Anonymous as a fellowship can support me, but it can't make me a normal eater. 
And the other one I think about is, is you know, the Brady Bunch episode where the kids have a basketball and they break the vase. And the rest of the episode is hysterical as they're trying to get this vase back together because they don't want their mom to find out. And the mom puts water in it and the water starts coming out of the vase. And that was what I was doing. I was broken. I am mentally and bodily different. And even with Greg and Marcia and Jan and Peter and Bobby and Cindy, they couldn't put that vase back together again. Yet I'm thinking that I can do it. And as soon as I put that food in me, just like the vase where the water seeks out, I'm off and running again. So what is that delusion that I'm going to have? I'm, I admit I'm, I'm normal until... Until I lose 30 pounds, until I reach goal weight, until I meet that right guy. Those are the things that are going to keep me from fully conceding to my innermost self. As long as there's a yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, and we're going to read about that in The Man of 30, the guy who controls it, and then when he retires, he thought he'd be okay. So the delusion that we were ever going to be like normal people has to be smashed. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Uh, Paula. Press star one, Paula. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Reader. And uh, can you hear me now, Kathy? Yes, I can. <laughs> well, thank you, and thank you for your service. You know, that word, it starts we. Okay, so here we come together, and that we do and that we must. Learned. And that's it. I had to learn, and I've got to tell you, I wasn't an easy one. And how did I learn? It says right on that line, just above, countless vain attempts. If you said to me how many times, I could never answer that question, because they were without number. They were often. So oftentimes, they would ambush me. Another attempt. But... As we went on here, that we had to fully concede, and I did on my disease, I continued to go on. Oh, I chased it. They used the word pursue. I mean, you chased insanity and death. I got concede, but I didn't get fully. It had to come together. It must be fully concede to our innermost selves. What's the very within so deep that we were alcoholics? Well, honey, this is nothing that I wanted to admit. I didn't want to go here. I didn't understand that what brought me down would bring me up. This is the first step, and what a huge step it was. But then it uses the word in recovery. You mean there's a chance, there's hope? The delusion that we are like other people are presently maybe has to be smashed. You know, sometimes, I don't know, but I drop something and, you know, I, hey, I'm really great with super glue and I put it together. And it works. It really does. For a time. And maybe for a long time. I don't know. But it has to be smashed. How about dropping a glass on a tile floor? And the slithers are all over the place. I mean, you find slithers in the next room. You find slithers and you say, where the heck? How did that get there? Honey, you think you got a shot of putting that together? You better know you haven't. 
And what kind of insanity would put, pick up thousands of these shreds and think, I'm going to put it together? Honey, it has to be smashed. There ain't no putting this together. As has been so eloquently said, thank you for allowing me to share with that I pass. Thank you, Paula. And Heidi, you're next. Hi, this is Heidi, recovered compulsive overeater in sunny South Florida. Um, we learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics. You know, when I first came into OA many years ago, um, I remember hearing that, I, I would hear people say, well, just for today I can't have this certain food, or just for today I have to weigh and measure my food, just for today. Um, and, you know, I'm even, I even say that I'm guilty of saying it a lot. But what it did was it fostered the idea in my head that one day I'm going to be able to eat ice cream. You know, I was no different than the alcoholic that the big book talks about. That was my my obsession. One day I will be able to sit in front of the TV with a big bowl of this or with a big bag of that. But just for today, I can abstain. And that's not true. You know, I'm I'm several years into recovery, and I'm no closer to having a bowl of this or a bag of that today than I was seven years ago when I first got into recovery. Um, you know, I'm definitely Humpty Dumpty, as somebody said. And and it says, this is the first step in recovery. This is the first step. My reality is that I'm a compulsive overeater. There are certain substances and foods that I can't have. There are certain food quantities that I can't have. There are certain food behaviors and other behaviors that I participate in that I can no longer do. And if I don't accept that, then there's no solution for me. There's no solution if I don't admit that there's a problem. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Heidi. Um, Katie, are you there? Do you want to share? Okay. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? It's Haya. Okay, Haya, go ahead. Hi, thank you. Hi, everybody. This is Haya, very grateful, recovered, compulsive eater and bulimic in Denver, Colorado. And I want to welcome anyone who's new. Um, you know, this paragraph, it's preparing me. One of the things I love about this book is that it tells us something, and then it's going to give us examples to prove it. <laughs> so it's saying here, most people, you know, don't want to admit that they're bodily and mentally different from their fellows. Um, but this is the first step in recovery. This delusion has to be smashed. This it has to be smashed. So the so now it's going to go on and it's going to proceed to smash um, this delusion over and over and over again. And um, you know, one of the things I had to realize is that you know the book was able to teach me a lot, and my eating behavior was able to teach me so much. Step one, I lived. Step one. And, um, you know, very often when I'm working with a woman in recovery, you know, to, to become recovered and we're going through the very beginning chapters, they'll experience step one and they won't understand why. And it's because it's the process of being smashed. Their delusion is being smashed by their own experience. And then we can look in the book and say, see, look what it's telling us and look at the stories as we start to read the stories about how this delusion was smashed 
and, and having it in our own experience. So this is an experience. You know, step one is a conclusion that I made because of my experience, and the book was able to illustrate it, and, and it does illustrate for me, you know, what, what my problem is. Um, so I'm just, I'm so glad that we're, you know, on this chapter, this is, you know, this is step one. This is getting, I, I am Humpty Dumpty when it comes to those things. Beautiful thing is my spirit was able to be put back together. See, I, I can't, I can't make myself now able to eat foods that I can't eat. That, that's not going to happen. But my spirit my spirit was broken when I came to these rooms, and my spirit has been put back together. That's the beauty of this program. No, I can't eat. I can't, you know, drink alcohol again. You know, an alcoholic can't drink alcohol. But their spirit can be put back together. And a compulsive eater can't go back to their particular binge foods because they're different for all of us. There's a lot of common ones for the most part. But we can't, I can't go back to that. But my spirit has been put back together. And that was the whole point, actually. So I'm very, very grateful to be, uh, to be a recovered woman today. And, uh, and, and with that, thanks. Thank you, Haya. Okay, it's now time for us to bring a close to this meeting. Uh, thank you, everyone, who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Penny C., uh, would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, good morning. Thank you, Kathy. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.